Gaming and BS, episode 322, coming to you Monday, December 14th, a 20, that's not the right date, December 21st, 2020. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. Hello, I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's on board. How the hell are you doing, Sean? I'm doing well, Brett. How are you? I'm recovering. <laughs> the, uh, the, I, I still, my spine surgery for my neck hasn't been uh, rescheduled yet. And uh, so it's kind of nice because I can still lift heavy things, as in moving. All the heavy things I have to move. But it really sucks when you're moving everything and your right arm goes numb. You're like, oh, I can't feel this. Hope I'm not dropping anything because I can't hold it. <laughs> I'm pain in the ass. And I'm sore and I'm tired. But the first uh, quarter of the entire move is done. So It's done, is it? Yeah, so far so good. But one of the other things that sucks just on a personal note is it's cramped into my gaming. You know, because last week we were supposed to have some gaming stuff with my home group, and I was going to do some stuff with the kids, but with the packing up the movie and everything, I couldn't make the show with you, and I didn't do much much else, so, other than just moving. Um, but tomorrow, my group is back on, and I'm going to be doing, uh, I, Alpha's going to be running the Underground campaign again, so we'll be back on Zoom doing that tomorrow, so that'll be fun. And then, the week after that on Tuesday, I'm back on for Greyhawk. Blah, blah, blah. So we should be in good shape there. Did you get any gaming in while I was out there? I did. I gamed on Saturday, Low Fantasy Gaming. It's the, We added a player to to their game, Mr. Jason Weeb. Yeah, he's uh, picking up our slack for us. So that's that's going to be better. Does that give Hobbs an extra target? He, somebody else he can go after? Another I think shield? so. I think so, for sure. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> he just doesn't focus on the Sean. That's right. So let's see here. Um, anything else, man? Anything kind of cool or interesting for you, or no? I start the Age of Rebellion campaign. Yeah, you had said something to me. You got like your whole uh, little handbook type of thing put together for the players. What's I did get some of the documentation up and running for people to view. So it's I didn't want to get too crazy, but there are some things that I needed to note. And one of the big things, and I don't know if if people have read it, which is fine, but if it falls to something like, hey, I expressed interest. How come I wasn't selected to play in that session? It stipulates in that document how I'm determining who, who gets to play. Who plays in? Wow. I mean, if I get <coughs> 10 folks and I've got four to five slots, I got to determine how that's done. And so it's it's going to be by Patreon, and then it's going to be by Patreon join date, uh, or Patreon join date, Patreon. You got all the rules, so they post in the forum. Yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then it's got some of the character kind of generation, like you know what books are allowed. No Jedi's stuff like that. I had to put some code of conduct stuff out there in case I, you know. We run into somebody and they, hey, how come you kicked me? Well, you're being disruptive. Well, how, what do you mean? And What do you mean? What do you mean? You're a douche. That's your fucking problem. Get out of here. This is kind of how I define disruptive or, you know, others may find disruptive. But, uh, yeah, I 
Foundry, I uh, found a lot of data. I think I brought it up on the last episode to put into Foundry, which was going to take me months <laughs> to do, and it took me ten minutes, which is well, that's uh, that's that's a time saver, that's a good. lifesaver. Yeah. So now I have to take the folks that want to play in their characters uh, and put it into Foundry so we could use it as a tool. So to- are you using Foundry simply, I mean, I, so I guess, <clears throat> let me step back. You go in Theater of the Mind, you're going minis on a tabletop? All I'm using Foundry for, not all I'm using it for, but it's the die roller is a big one, which I've mentioned before. If there is a map, fine. Uh, initiative would be another piece light side dark side tokens light side dark side tokens that was so super helpful when you ran for us or for me and kevin and a few other folks that was super helpful just to visibly see where they were who had how many it was kind of a cool cool thing so it's i'm liking how it's working um and it should be a, a big help and uh i may even use a module that does sound effects when certain things not just to set the ambiance, but, you know, if you shoot blaster and you pew, roll pew. your dice, it shoots blast. I could set the music to that event. Uh, don't you, don't bite off too much, man. Uh, you could get you get a little super noodly and then. Pew, just... pew, pew. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, I got it, I had to get it off the ground. I've been talking about it and people are probably like, eh, come on, man. What's what's going on? So, well, tell you, man, what you're I'm planning to uh, use you as my scout team. So whatever works for you, I'm probably going to do something similar once I get in the new house and I get settled, which I'm hoping to be February. Or I can come and say, all right, Brett's going to run a game and similar type of similar type of go around. I want to learn from your mistakes and uh Everyone come and go, my game, wow, Brett's game is just really kind of shit. You know, and I like that, Sean. That was really just kind of slapdash at the beginning. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I don't know if you have that much to worry about. But... Nah, nah, nah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, let's see here. Oh, the uh, the Jerry Stefak call for the cure happened. And I believe they raised, what was it, $1,527 for the American Cancer Society. That's pretty cool. I know some BSers and a number of really cool, fine gamers were able to contribute to that, so that's really nice. That's very cool. Um, the other thing that I mentioned on the last episode, which Brett was not here, and we didn't release it as an audio um, version, but uh, we gave the Exploring Eberron cop- two copies away. Um, one was to the Duke in Purple, and then one was to uh, Gehrman uh, Sanders, or, or Harriman, I'm sorry, Her- he corrected me, yeah. Harriman. Um, so they both have copies of Exploring Eberron. Thanks for participating, everybody. Uh, but that's, I think, about it for... That's it? No more news? Uh, for announcements. Anything new for for news? Oh, one. Th- well, I didn't put it in the die roll, but it, we could mention it. The lawsuit that was... Oh, the for, Margaret Weiss? The, the Weiss Dragonlance, Hickman, the Dragonlance lawsuit. The Weiss-Hickman lawsuit is uh, against Wizards of the Coast has been dismissed with uh, without prejudice. So Margaret Weiss's tweet after the fact was very upbeat. Well, now the Dragonlance Canical on Twitter. So if everything Dragonlance, if you have if you like Dragonlance, you've had to have heard of Dragonlance Nexus and the Dragonlance Canical. 
but they have said that there's a big announcement coming and that there was, I think Joe Manganiello was statting out Draconians. He's got to be. I mean, he's he ran for five E. Uh, yeah, he, he's a huge Dragonlance fan. But I think they're equating that to the comicbook.com mentioned like, hey, Wizard said that there would be three new settings coming out. Dragonlance might be one of them. I thought Margaret and Tracy were going to work on novels. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I think we, we've talked Dragonlance, <laughs> excuse me, before a little bit. I liked it. I have a fond affinity for it, right? It was fun and so on. But I mean, I tell you, man, though, from a, from a world to adventure in, it just never really took off for me. My friends and I were all fans. Like in high school, we read the books, we read the novels, and we consumed a ton of stuff for it. When the time came to sit down to play in a Dragonlance world, we kind of went, meh. It just didn't really sing for some reason. You know, there's something to be said about taking some bits and pieces from a lot of different campaign worlds and just doing a homebrew, but using all it. Like, okay, I'm going to put Draconians in this world. I'm going to use the map from this. I'm going to use... I'm going to use magic technology like it, it is in Eberron. So there's, hey, there is no overland journey unless it's something where it's remote. Yes, they have airship and it's powered by elementals. You know, some of those things and then just make it Sean world. There's pieces of the Dragonlance world, the Draconians, the uh, the gods, how they're very interactive um, all there's some really cool bits and pieces, the setting, the events, and so forth. The Knights the, of Salamnia. The <clears throat> Knights of Salamnia. There's some really fun stuff. The dragon lances themselves, riding dragons. I mean, it's like really like big, high concept fantasy almost in a way. But my friends and I, it, it felt like when we sat down to play, to play in the world, it often felt like we were poorly aping a, a bad pastiche, if you will, of the dragon lance stories. Like, we're like, oh, I wanted to do the thing that they did. There, you, you're flying a dragon. Neat. It, it didn't it didn't feel like we were discovering or finding in the way that, for whatever reason, Forgotten Realms captured us much better and Greyhawk did. Where we felt that whatever happened, there were things that happened in the in Greyhawk or the Forgotten Realms, but they were very localized. It was, it was big enough I could go somewhere else. Where Dragonlance, the, uh, especially the first six books... Are, is the whole goddamn world, right? You go across the entire, you go over everything. And it's earth shaking and earth shattering and so on and so forth. Um, and like I said, when I do Middle Earth, I like when I run Merp, I like to do Fourth Age, the ending of the Third Age, the dawn of the Fourth Age. It's kind of like a cleanup effort. What's left? The dregs are still orcs, are still trolls and ants and things. But Dragonlance just felt like it's already been like oh, it's been done. It's been done for whatever reason. And I, that could easily have been the fact that that was us at the time, right? Creative to a point, but high school, early college, it just wasn't, we didn't, we didn't know what to do with it, you know? And perhaps now if I were to go back and do it again, could probably have a damn good time with it. You know, reread some of my, my books and stuff for, for my first edition and go, Oh, ooh, ooh, I have an idea. This would be a really good adventure. I, but at the time it just, we had a hard time with it. And I think it just came down to, like I said, we felt like we were doing bad pastiches of the actual <laughs> the actual novels and stories that were already told. So anyway, there you go. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that. No. And I, for whatever reason, I never played the actual Dragonlance modules that walked you through it. You know? 
we never got into it. I knew people who had them, read them, but I don't, I personally don't know anyone who played them. Someone, a listener out there probably raised their hands and dude, I totally did that. Totally did that. I just don't happen to know anyone who did. So I think the problem I have with Dragonlance specifically, and we'll get on with the episode because this isn't the whole thing we're going to talk about in this, but because we brought it up, I think it has to do with the the books and where everybody went is everywhere everywhere you would want to go, but they've already gone there. Yeah. So somebody would say, well, what a you know, Star Wars has played itself out. There's, you know, six plus nine episodes and there's different planets, but it's there's a lot more. Like you can it's go got to different galaxy, planets. Man. There's yeah, a lot it's, of stuff. It's a galaxy, right? There's, there's a lot, a lot of, of, stuff. of shit out there, yeah. And even if it doesn't exist on a galaxy map of Star Wars, doesn't mean you can't just plot, plop it there. And you could do the same in Dragonlance. But the problem is, like, the main places to kind of check out and explore have, have already been explored by the heroes of the lands in some capacity or another. And as some people said, have said and continue to say the same thing about the Forgotten Realms. There's tons of Forgotten Realms novels back in the heyday, <clears throat> the 90s and shit, when... TSR was a thing, and they overpublished and do shit tons of stuff. And they did the same with Dragonlance. There was a fuck ton of Dragonlance novels that were of questionable quality uh, for a very long time. But anyway, it is what it is. Actually, oddly enough, the uh, topic of Dragonlance kind of plays into what we're going to talk about today. So I'll stop. Let's go into Random Encounter, huh? Let's move. Yeah, let's go into Random Encounter. All right. Random Encounter. Segment of the show where we field comments. Uh voicemails, emails, and uh, things from our forums. Very brief one this week. We didn't comb a lot. We didn't get a lot of feedback, probably because we last week I didn't drop an audio show because Brett was out. But we had one that carried over from DM Kojo that might take a little bit because he's posing some questions. So Go for it, man. All right. So DM Kojo emailed us a, f- a couple weeks ago. and says, The fact that he emailed us and didn't leave us a voicemail that's is, true. is worth noting. <laughs> that's That's true. No, this is cool. Kojo's a good dude, so this is good to see. Greetings, BSers. I saw this survey on Facebook and thought it was cool to get a snapshot of a person's gaming history. I have listed my responses below, but I would love to hear Sean and Brett's answers to these questions, too. All right. Okay. So I'll pose them to Brett, and I might weigh in, too. Oh, you got I, answer too, man. Uh, these, are, right, these, these are easy. And if you're, if you're in the chat, you know, feel free to throw it in there. The first RPG I played was... Brett? First edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that was mine too. First edition AD and uh, The RPG that I have played the most in my life is up to this point. I'm not to say Vampire the Masquerade because I played that hard <laughs> for like 15 years. Brett was a goth. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was. That was second edition AD and D would be a close second because of the played that super heavy but man when i got into the white wolf stuff that was it it was vampire and white wolf games for 15 years straight so anyway that that'd be me what about you i don't know i mean it's i'd have i'd have to say ad and d but that wasn't a long time like it wasn't i mean i didn't play for 10 years straight yeah you basically missed second edition i had it we we might have played a little bit of it but we didn't get so deep into it and then we did put like fastest star trek a top secret in when i was a kid too so that broke up that AD&D, you know t- term i would maybe it's three five pathfinder 
I don't played know. a lot of that. I did play a lot of that too, but not you as know? much as I did Werewolf. Um, the RPG that I currently currently play the most is currently play the most. Huh. If I look through this last calendar year, I'd have to say five E for this year, with a strong second of what shit. I wouldn't even say a strong second. I bounced a lot. Running 5e, running World of Darkness, running Delta Green, kind of bopping between different things. But 5e has been a constant throughout the 2020 year for me. So I would say currently, looking at the last year here, and that we're in December, yeah, I'd say 5e has been the one that's been really kind of my constant, my uh, regular one through the, through the year. How about you? Probably 5. Well, see, I ran Tomb of Annihilation, but that was... Eight hours a month, so I guess that maybe maybe nine or ten hours a month. But you played a bunch of Doc a couple with years too with Five E. Played what? Did you played with Doc in that team? Didn't you when you did? We 5e? did. We we did play a little bit of Storms King Thunder. Yeah, yeah. I would say probably Five E. Uh, if you compared all of them together, I should also mention like Kojo said, his first was Redbox Basic D and D. His RPG that he played the most in his life was second edition AD&D. The RPG that, it cur- that he currently plays the most is DCC. I honestly like the fact, Sean, that this is just maybe patting us on the back here. I like the fact that we're like, what are we playing the most? Huh? Because we're, we're playing different stuff. And I think that's kind of cool. Right? That's kind of neat. Yeah, I don't really want to say, I don't want to sit there and go, oh, it's the only thing I play. Yeah, no, we we've we bounced between a number of different things. But like I said, I think five E has been the most consistent thing throughout the year for me. So all right, what's next? The RPG that I have never played but would like to play is Kojo said Kojo said Paranoia. I think I'd say Pendragon. I still that's on my list. I that's piqued my curiosity. I haven't read much about it, but I know a little bit. Yeah. But I know it's a Quite a bit different. Something game. about the it's just the, the difference in chivalry and knighthood and just really getting into the social aspects and yeah, I just fantasy, but it's a totally different bent. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, I wonder how much you could use it to play like a Game of Thrones intrigue. I don't know game. I don't know. I'd have to read it anyway. Like I said, I haven't read the damn thing yet. I would say uh, RPG that I never have never played but would like to play is it's got to be Cold Shadows. Like it's it's still itching at me. I still want to play it. I still want to get a mission together. I think it'd be a good one. And I want to. I still want to run it for some BSers that are interested, knowing that I've never run it. That or Feng Shui. I'd be more interested in Cold Shadows. Yeah, that one scratches much better. Yeah. All right. What's next? The RPG that I used to play a lot and wish I could play again is and he says first edition AD&D. So I am running that. I would say that I pulled out a couple of them. Middle Earth I pulled out recently. Honestly, what I used to run I played a lot and I wish I could do again. Back in the day, it was um the basic the red box stuff. That and the BX and the red box we kind of combined some of that stuff. That was a lot of fun. And I've convinced my kids that after I'm done, after I'm done with the Middle Earth game, I'm gonna run that for them because I think it'll be fun. 
But yeah, I always had a lot of fun with that. I played the hell out of it. I really did. Um, yeah, I wish I could do that more. I just don't have the time. But I didn't need to make the time, I guess. How about you? I'm me. I kind of, I'm kind of thinking fast as Star Trek. Hmm. I've got the books still. Uh, I've got everything. And I've, I even think I've got a module or two. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a percentile-based system career uh, character gen. So I don't know. I mean, it's played a lot of. I mean, I could tell you what I've played a lot of and I don't want to play, which is like AD&D. I don't have any ambition to. I actually told Brett. <laughs> hey, Brett, I'm going to get rid of my AD&D books. I'm like, I'll take them. <laughs> I'll take them all. What do you want for them? I'll take them. The only reason I'm holding on to the damn things is because it's the first books I probably ever bought for the uh, hot. Just telling you, whenever you're ready, uh, I'll take. Them. I'll let you know. All right, next one he asked uh, or saw on Facebook: the RPG release that I am most eagerly anticipating is, and he says, X Crawl Classics from Goodman Games. So I'm going to be selfish. Uh, my my uh, my pip conversion for Streets of Avalon. That's it's just me being me. You're asking Brett. That's what I'm going to say because I'm really interested in going through that with the encoded group. I think it's going to be fun. I'm pretty been doing more reading and checking things out, making some notes, preliminary stuff. So after you know, come January, February, I can start to really kick into it. But I'm I'm excited about doing it. I think it'll be fun. How about you, man? I don't I don't know because I don't know what's going to be released. That I don't have like a hey that's on my target list or I don't have a Kickstarter. I'm actually back, looking now you know. at games like Vasen by Free League or uh, Symborum. They're they're fantasy one. They're kind of dark fantasy. I was I've been eyeballing both of those. What about Dune? I don't know enough Dune. I've yet okay. to read the novel. I need Some to read guys it. It's, it's on my it's on my list, right? Yeah. That I need to read Dune. For God's sakes, how could I not read that damn book? You've never read Dune? Um, no, I never read Dune. I was never a big sci-fi guy. But I'm like, you know what? I need to pick that sucker up because it's it's interesting. There's a lot in it that I'm pretty sure I'd love. But I don't know. The only um, the warfare, you know, from Matt Colville, the last kick, Kickstarter he did. I've got uh, released. That's coming to me. Twilight that's, 2000. That would uh, be the one. I didn't get in on the Kickstarter, but it would be interesting when it lands. You know, I'm interested in it. I just don't, from eagerly anticipating, I don't have anything that I'm like, ooh, I got to have it. You'd asked me this earlier. I just said my uh, Icewind Dale Rhyme of the Frostmaiden because I went, you know, full Beetle and Grimm on that. So I was super jacked about that. I still am, you know, but I don't have, man, there's just nothing recently like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I just, nothing's really. Got me jazzed. I don't know. Well, part of that question is you got to know what is about to come. And then based on that, are any of those of interest? Like, if you don't know what's coming, that question is going to be kind of thrown out the window. Yeah. Um, the last one, the RPG that I never played as a kid, but I play now is, he says, first edition Metamorphosis Alpha. Mine was called Cthulhu. That was the one that went around me, and I heard about it. But by the time I got to college and tried it, I'm like, huh, interesting. I bounced off of it a little bit in college, and then I got into it kind of at the tail end of college. I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell have I been missing? So, yeah, I love that game. 
Yeah. Call, Call of Cthulhu, same, I would th- probably have to say the same thing for me. It was a big part of the hobby at that time, way back, and I never got into it until in the last four years, maybe. I think Brett probably ran the, oh, Royce ran the first game for me. I ran Trail of Cthulhu for you guys, but yes, right. similar, but different. Yeah, so cool, I guess that would have to be it. So thanks, Kojo. Thanks everybody for participating. In that if you're sitting in your car or walking your dog, listen to that. What you know, name name the ones you've brought up in in this and send them to us. We'd be interested to know. I think in the spirit of us being very introspective, the last dozen or so episodes, man, I think it's interesting sometimes to look back, you know, where you came from, what you played, what you've been interested in, and it's interesting to me sometimes when I think about the things that are just constants through my hobby. My personal exposure to the hobby, D&D is always there. Call of Cthulhu now is a regular piece. The World of Darkness stuff keeps coming up for me again. Either New World of Darkness or some variation on that theme. Um, but some of that shit just keeps popping up. Other things I dabble in. But there's certain pieces I've started to kind of look at the gaming shelf. and like, what am I grabbing all the time? What are we always playing? And what do we have the most fun playing we don't ever seem to really get sick of? And, um, you know, the stack isn't that high. <laughs> if I just took the core rule books, it's not super, not super thick. And it, like I said earlier, I'm proud of the fact that Sean, you and I bounce off. We play different, you ran Mothership. You know, I ran Trail of Cthulhu. Hey, I ran Warhammer First Edition. Hey, did this, you know, doing the different things that we've been into and whatnot. But it's, it's interesting, kind of the through line <laughs> in my hobby career. What's always been there? You know, what am I, what am I always using? So here, I'm going to. I'm going to change the answer to that last question. Yeah? Yeah. The RPG that I never played as a kid, but I play now is Star Wars. I I never played West End Games Star Wars when it was out. I owned it, and I never played it as a kid. I wow. never, never played it. We always had it. I don't know why we never played it, honestly. And I still have it. I bought it. I've got the original. Because you've been a Star Wars fan for way back, man, that too. That's yeah, kind of. I've been a pretty big Star Wars fan. I mean, the, the group I hung with were big, bigger Star Trek nerds. Okay, that could have been it. Yeah, but I, I'm i like, that's got to be the one. Because I've played D20. I've, been, I've played Saga. I've played FFG. So. I went through a Marvel superheroes phase where that was like what we played. Phaser Rip? For a long time. Yeah, like, holy crap. I think back and I'm like, man, we had, like, the three-ring binders with all the good guys, bad guys. And, oh, my God. All this shit. Man, it's crazy, crazy. Anyway, let's move on. All right, let's get to the main topic. All right, Brett. All right. So, a while back in the forums, uh, back in November 20th, to be precise, of 2020... The warden, Mr. Todd Crapper, said he posed a question. <clears throat> Excuse me, he said, is D&D built for team play? I'm going to read through his little post here. And he said, really, this can apply to a bunch of different games. Well, let's focus on the granddaddy. Is D&D mechanically built for team play? Your role initiative as an individual and play out a series of rounds with individual turns. Not all classes are built to provide benefits to characters other than themselves. For example, the rogue is all about themselves and doesn't have a single class ability that helps someone else. The only means to mechanically help someone is to sacrifice your actions to give someone else a boost. For example, you can provide advantage on a skill check, but that's your action for that round. You don't roll dice to contribute, you just say you're helping, and that's it. Narratively, however, the game is about a party of adventurers banding together to thwart evil. 
Aside from some class abilities, the mechanics don't seem to match the intent of the game as written. Players have to actively make that happen by the choices they make at the table. Now, if you ran a D&D game like your mercenaries, rather than heroes who are struggling to, to work together and need to forge that cooperation over time, the mechanics start to line up better. But that's a kind of pack, not exactly as written. This is my theory, says Todd. It's very likely based from my own experiences. So I'm curious to get others' takes on this. Do you think D&D is mechanically built as a team game or as a group of individuals working together, and does it matter? So a lot of really good, this, I've got a link in the show notes to the forum post. If you go to our forums, is D&D built for team play? Look it up. It's really good. Old School is in there. Has some really good points. Huskarl's in there. The Warden pitches in some more. Laramie gets in. Pure Mongrel's got some great insight. Uh, let's see. Good grief. Well, Jared Rasher's in there. Got some good perspectives. Good grief. Who else have we got? Rory, Mongrel, Warden. Um, got just a bunch of good. Just a bunch, a bunch of good. Gabe, me. Eh. <laughs> Not that I'm the smartest guy in the room, but there's a lot of really cool feedback in there. And I read it and I've reread it a few different times. And I came. Um, it was interesting. One of the, one of the coolest parts about this. Um, I think a couple people said this. Uh, I'm going to call this one out here. I'm going to mispronounce the handle. Ekodokan. Uh, he's, he's in the chat. All right, so Ekodokan says, I think a hard, fast yes or no to this question is the wrong answer, which I thought was a lot of us were bandying about that term or the, the fa that fact earlier in the, in the thread. It was really cool. But I got to say, just before Sean and I start digging into it further ourselves, Good examples, great stuff. Isaiah was chipping in. I love the fact that nobody, if if this were RPG Net or if this were earlier in the board days, somebody would have called somebody else a motherfucker. Someone would have said, you're a prick. <laughs> I hate your mom. Your girlfriend's ugly. It would have gotten ugly really fast. Everybody here, if somebody said something and like, hey, man, that seems like you're like, whoa, 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 that's not what I meant. I'm talking about this. Okay, cool, dude, and move on. It was great. I love this because everybody's like, oh, you know, at one point somebody was like, hey, that seems kind of dismissive. No, I'm not trying to be dismissive. Let's talk about this. Let's just hang this out. It was really cool. So from me and Sean to everybody in our community, props for being grownups, <laughs> quite frankly, <laughs> because like any other hobby, you can find a pack of jerks out there somewhere that just won't talk or being assholes about stuff. I think everybody here was chipping in, trying to give an opinion, a position, defending, changing opinions. It was just, I love the threat. I think it's really good. It's a great example of, I think, how cool you all have helped to make the community for us. So thank you. Yeah. I want to say yeah. that. So, all right. So thank you. Uh, I agree with Brett on that very topic. Um, thank you for all being civilized. So um, we covered how to be like, being civilized on forums and so if you like this show uh, go ahead and catch us live here <laughs> so sean i post out you didn't post out there i put out this is kind of Brett's i was so afraid I, I was afraid you were afraid it's yeah. just too too intellectually stimulating i didn't feel i was too much going to yeah my, my ums and ahs and likes wouldn't uh have done just. Sean had a post up there. Just the, said it's the highly intellectual. And he left it there for a week, and then we finally just deleted it. Some one of the admins went, "That's garbage." <laughs> deleted it. So, Sean, do you want me to read mine, uh, or do you? What, what do you think? What do you think of when you when you saw that? When you read through this a few times? 
what's your what's your thought on this? And I gotta say, one of the pieces I really like that that tied throughout the beginning is is it does it matter? Right. That was a kind of a, a tailing a tailing question. The last question he asked in his original post was, "Is it there? Do we need it? And does it even fucking matter? I mean, does it does it is a thing you gotta have?" So. What do you think, Sean? Do you have a gut reaction to that question, or what's your kind of what's your opinion here? Does it matter if it's a t- is no, no, no? Built is D and D built for team play? Let's just go right for the big, the okay. big question. Is D and D built for team? Yeah. Play? Do you think it is? Uh, I think it is definitely a colla- It is. It is required that not required, but it is encouraged to be a collaborative game. I, w- I would say that, yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. Because I, I read everybody's responses and I'm like, eh, uh, uh, okay, all right. yeah, I see that one. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So, what so I, that, I don't know if that answers the question because I think it, it kind of does. I think it kind of does. I guess the other the other piece here before I read my chunk, do you think it matters whether it's team or collaborative? Whether it's built for team play, do you think it matters for let me ask it this way. Would D&D for you, Sean Kelly, be better if there were mechanics that supported team play, like as the mode to play the game? Would it, oh, Would a, it make your enjoyment a, of the game better? That's hard to answer only because the way that some people have pointed out the examples of it not being team play are things that I mean I've played Savage Worlds and Pure Mongrel is a big Savage Worlds guy and he pointed out some of the details in Savage Worlds and how he says because Savage Worlds facilitates these things it's more team play based than D&D rules as written some of those things and while I will agree with him in that capacity I, I haven't sat down and said oh I've played D&D like this, and then I've played D&D like this, like or like that. And that way has been more team-based. And the way it's been team-based is that a lot of the actions that everybody takes uh, contributes to the team, overall team as a whole. Where this, kind of as it's written and its rules are now, some will say it does not. Does that make sense? Right? Everybody following me? I am. Oh, this is maybe this is a horrible side segue type of thing, but it, it feels similar to me. I was talking to my buddy Nick. Um, he's, he's helping me unload my moving truck. Love that guy. He's a good dude. Ex Army. You know, they're good people. So we're sitting there taking a break and we're bullshitting about games and whatnot. And he was talking about how, because he's working on a game system he wants to work on. He, he mentioned this back. Um, one of his letters to his number back when I said it was, I was building a thing. He said, it's kind of interesting when you start working on stuff like that, and you try to decide, what do I have to overtly state? What do I have to build a mechanic to support? And so forth. And I said, you know what's kind of interesting? And I explained to him my, my concept of what I think is, I kind of call them toolbox games. And I think D&D is one of those. And I said, take Night Witches, for example. So he'd never heard of it. I said, so Night Witches, you're playing female Russian pilots during a world war 
and you're dropping shit like railroad ties, <laughs> bombs, boxes of nails. I mean, you're basically a nighttime air raid pitch black against the Nazis. I said, can you play that game and be a Russian male officer? You could make it do that. However, it is not, to the best of my knowledge, based on, I've never played a red, but the people I've talked to have said it is designed for X. Everything about it supports this thing. If you try to crack that and decide that you want to be a, a German sympathizer who partners with the Night Witches, blah, 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 it, it's not... It, it, it's built so you're, you, it's about the Night Witches. That's what it is about. It's not about other things. And this concept, after, the more you and I talked um, here and offline about your Curse of Strahd game, about different theories of, well, that's not D&D to me. This is my D&D. This is this, this is this. It really enforced the fact to me that D&D is a toolbox and it can be used in lots of different ways. And I think that's, it's a blessing and a curse. Right. So in the forum, old school had a really good list, this plethora of, I'll kind of um, parse myself out here, of team goodies and rules. So he had, like, hey, here's a list of skills and powers and spells and things that help people. Some of them may or may not have purely mechanical game status that enforce team play. And by that I am saying is that there's no overt mechanic in 5e that I can find that says, if you cast a spell, provide help, or do some other team-focused stuff, you and or your team get a bonus reward, etc. There's nothing overtly that says something that really cool, right? In Dungeon World, if you satisfy a bond, if you change something, there's impact. It's baked right in there, man. That's 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 a piece. Bonds and flaws in 5e, whatever. They're kind of there. Use them or not, right? We've talked about that. I think, I mean, the implied impact built into healing spells... Um, the help the whole team, help actions, to help you accomplish something. Tell me that the designers, trying to quote myself here, that while the designers didn't specifically build in a mechanical benefit necessarily to enforce and encourage players who choose to do or use these team impacting things, the simple existence of these things mean that thinking or acting for the benefit of the team is an important feature. If it did have mechanical tools that enforced it or said whenever your PC acts in a team-focused way, you a bonus happens and if you don't there's a punishment like if you act selfishly a bad thing happens right that's another way negative reinforcement it's strongly implied but it's only implied and i think the reason is only implied is because there's so many different ways to play it you can play peace you can play 5e first edition any version of DD with a pack of selfish cutthroat bastards who are out for themselves and i know people who i've played that i played streets of avalon game using Pathfinder, D&D, GURPS, and it was a pack of thieves. They're all very selfishly out for themselves, and they cut each, you know, would snipe at each other, undermine each other. It was just the way they did it. There are no mechanics that were built in to any of those systems, Daimu was aware of, that enforced this is a good way to play, and if you didn't do it the quote-unquote right way or the way that the game wanted you to play, you were punished or a penalty in some way. And I know perhaps penalty might be a strong word in that space, but that's what I think about. When I think about D&D, I think it needs to be implied that team play is a form of D&D. Everyone tends to think it's the form of D&D, but 
there's a lot of different ways to play it because it's a toolbox. That's how I'm. That's how I see it. Does that any of that ring to you, Sean, or do you think I'm crazy? <laughs> Kinda and yes. Kinda and yes. Okay, good, good. We're back. But at least we're back at square one. That's good. I mean, do you think I'm right, or do you think I'm off, or what do you? Was that? I threw a lot of shit at you there, man. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I see the D D component. You emphasize D and D being a toolbox quite a bit. Yeah, and while. It, I do understand that perspective. I don't know if I lean on it as hard as a toolbox as, as you do. Why not? Because I would see something like a toolbox as maybe like a supplement, like that would uh, allow different things, like different tweaks to the game itself. And you could do that in 5e. You could take the Dungeon Master Guide, go through, hey, here's some really cool options. You can put in you know, lingering injuries and all that. Well, yeah, like Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd is a way to play D&D that's not the same as Storm King's Thunder. Um, it's not the same D&D, dude. It, but what is not the same D&D? I think that's a feel, right? Gothic horror versus slaying giants. I think that's two completely, but I don't think that. But it's still Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it's both still D&D. And that's sure. why I say it's a toolbox. Like your buddy in your Curse of Strahd games, like, well, this isn't D&D to me. D&D to me is being more heroic. Define heroic. Oh, my God. Define the definition of the word define. I mean, we could get in this weird noodly Mobius strip of hell. But Yeah, that's what that's what this shit's all about, man. Wankery. <laughs> Wankery. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess that, that kind of leads me to the other question, like for for Todd, that Todd asked at the very beginning is, does it matter? Right? And I think, because he says, do you think D&D is mechanically built as a team game, or is it a group of individuals working together? I would say it's built so that you could do, quote unquote, whatever you want. You could do both. You can build a very optimal group of people that are always working together in the most optimal way possible to survive and focus and help each other. You can also work as a group of individuals working together. You could be individuals who hate each other. All these different variations. But his last question, and does it matter? I think it does. Unless you really really want that in it, I don't think it matters. Well, no, it doesn't have to. It, it, you can easily flippantly say it doesn't matter because it, it might not matter to you, but it might matter exactly. to somebody else. Um, does it matter in order to play the game? I don't know. I mean, look, 4E, I didn't have a chance to play. Folks that have say that that was more team-based because you had to re- probably rely more on the others in the party. Great. Because Pathfinder had team feats in the advanced player's guide or something outside of the core rule book, but not in the core rule book. Correct. I don't think it came later. Yeah. But you could, as a fight horror, take a team based feat that would apply to like everybody. Everybody didn't, I don't think everybody had to take the same team feat as long as whatever class it applied to took it. And most of the times it was a fighter because the fighter could say, I'm going to take this this one, and every time I'm in five feet of everybody, they get this thing or whatever. You know, I think you're right. If I flippantly say it doesn't matter, that's, that's kind of callous. What I think 
it's also not necessarily true because it's a flippant answer. I think the I think my real answer, if I, because what you just said there tripped this in my head, is that what matters to me is that different types of play are available. So, what I don't like about certain, this is going to sound really harsh, but boutique uh, game experiences that are very much like it's a game about the specific thing, the specific event, and the specific feel. A very heavily, um, God, fuck, I said curated experience. I want to have the flexibility to have different experiences with games. Even if it's, that's one of the things I like about D&D for me is I can have a Avalon dark, gritty city campaign. I could also play Dragonlance, which is not Avalon at all. Or I could play Forgotten Realms, which is neither one of those two things. Or I could play Dark Sun or whatever, right? I, I like the fact that... So I guess I, I should actually say that my answer to Todd is that does it matter? I Actually, it does that I want it to be open, not nebulous, but I want the options in my D&D so that I can do different things with it. So that when Sean decides to run Curse of Strahd for me, I can say, cool, how are you, what are you going to do to really help, you know, what, what's your, what's your brainchild, Sean? I want lingering injuries. I want this, this. Good. I'm in. I like all that stuff. I'll do it. I'll, let's, let's go for that. I'm not going to argue with you about it because I want you to take, have the, the leeway within that within that toolbox where or dials or whatever you want to do is so you can turn the lingering injuries up, take off the fact that long rests don't help you or whatever, and whatever it is you want to do. I want that stuff there. I think that's cool. So for me, that is part of D and want that to be there. I don't want it to be a curated one mode of play only. I don't want well, that. One could argue mm-hmm. quite convincingly to me anyway, that, when you say, well, Dragonlance, Streets of Avalon, uh, Eberron, and Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd. Curse of Strahd. Curse yeah. of Strahd as an adventure, as a setting piece, where Jeff says, well, that's that's not D&D, man. I'm a hero. I start out as hero. I'm first level hero. And that's the way it should be. So if you're going to take me into Curse of Strahd, that's who I am in Curse of Strahd. And if you say... No, 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 Sean. Or no, 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 Jeff. You can't do that because I'm trying to create a gothic feel, a more gritty feel. And everybody in that campaign is going to be limited to to, to being just human. And I'm going to have lingering injuries and I'm going to turn up that to 11. And you're healing. You know, a short rest is going to be a week. A long rest is going to be a month. You know, that kind of stuff. Somebody could say, well, that's then why are you playing 5e, man? Because... I could play Avalon, oh, yeah. and I could play Aberon and and all those, and use 5e, and I could play in Jeff's frame of mind in all of those, and Jeff could be absolutely correct in saying, look, man, this is what 5e is. It's about this, and by you futzing with it, you're actually not, I mean, yes, you could take things out of the DMG and apply it and homebrew it and all that other crap, but it, in essence, and at the core, he may say, that's not 5e then. You're taking 5e and you're manipulating it and turning it into like OSE or some other type of game that facilitates what you want in the setting when you run Curse of Strahd. 
I would say that I can't find anything very specific in from the creators, from Gygax on up or down, whichever direction you want to take the timeline, that say this is the only way to play D&D. Unless, actually, Gygax did back in one point during his more curmudgeonly days in the old um, Pages from the Sages type of thing in the Dragon, Dragon Magazine. But throw that out. Ed Greenwood would say, why, why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. Other people who've designed that game are like, well, you can play it that way. Why, why are you not playing it that way? That, there's there's no right or wrong way. That's that's silly. Are you I wouldn't, fun? I wouldn't say right or wrong. Good. Oh, yeah, you are. Because that's what Jeff... That, I'm using Jeff, right? So I'm not, sure. here, I'm not here to argue <laughs> Jeff. Poor Jeff. Jeff. We use but him for example. Jeff. All the so, time. Yeah. so person X... He's trying to my guts by this Mr. point. Mr. Like, J. Let's just call him Mr. Asshole. J. For yeah. right. so, so Jeff says, that's not D&D. He's telling you you're doing it wrong. You're not playing D&D. You're, you're breaking it, making it something else. That's not D&D. You're doing it wrong. And that is a piece that instinctively to me makes me do the double finger salute. I'm like, no, fuck you. There's, you, you who, no, 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 don't tell me what to do. Right. I, I'm not playing it wrong. I'm playing it differently. And as soon as the back of the DMG or any other splat book says, hey, or this adventure says, hey, here's some ways that you are playing D&D, but in Curse of Strahd, We've had this conversation with um, uh, Christian Serrano, too, around, like, um, Eberron. Is it actually better in Savage Worlds because of the type of because of the type of setting it is? I have not played enough in Eberron. I played, like, one session in Eberron, and then the, the campaign I was going to be in fell apart. So I don't know. But I could see an Eberron game being run very well either way. But I think one of the reasons that there is a plethora of different game systems out there, and that one that says, this is for gothic horror, and this is for this, and this is for this, this is for space opera, this is for hardcore space, this, they, they don't exist that way. You know what I mean? What? <laughs> I think there are better games that facilitate things better. They may no, be... no, totally do. They're absolutely totally do. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't that. think it's wrong. It's not right or wrong or anything like that. I, no, I, agree. I think so. I guess what I'm doing is I'm rejecting that premise. So but somebody would say way. the first thing I'd be like, they're going to say. Stop. So you're saying you want to facilitate the type of play, and for you as a player, a better way to facilitate that type of play would be to use Savage Worlds. Would be to use this. Yeah, because that would really get me in the mood. Fine, we'll use that mechanic. I'll drop that rule rule in there. Done. You can. That's the that's the downside of the toolbox game, like D and D. It does a lot of different things. It's a jack of all trades and master of none. Well, I mean, I wouldn't go as far to say that. I mean, I would go well, you're, more you're on like GURPS no. or something <laughs> along those lines. Well, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Like, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, take a generic universal role-playing system. Fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and say, you know, try to make it everything and nothing. Basic role-playing, you know, local Cthulhu stuff. I just... The, if I were to run into somebody on the street, a BSer who has not tuned into the forums, well, actually, and hasn't listened to our show, <laughs> I don't know why they would be a BSer at that point. Yeah. But if I said, hey, I got this thing. Well, so you ran to Wayne Humphrey, loves us, supports right, us, doesn't right, listen to us, and pay attention right. to what we're doing. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, Wayne Humphrey. Yeah. So I, 
I bring up the Curse of Strahd situation and say, I want to run Curse of Strahd, but I've got some players and I want to nerf it down. I want to bring it down, you know, only humans, you know, kind of mess with the rest, lingering injuries. I don't want the three death saves. I want, you know, some, I want to crank up the lethality or the mortality maybe a little bit, potentially. I want it to be more of a thinking game and not everything is a nail and you're a hammer in its combat. And they go, great. And I go, I'm going to, but I don't, you know, it's 5e. And they go, well, then why are you running 5e? Why don't you play something else? Right, right. That's what they're going to say. And I don't think that's an invalid response. It may irk some people like, well, you know, everybody's suggesting a different game. And and Brett would say, oh, you could just do that. Yeah, of course you can. Come on. You? D&D, it's a toolbox. Ah. Exactly. And. So that I think there is there isn't any wrong answer no, in this not, discussion, in and, that, in and this. even within the and even within the forum thread that's called on a couple different times, there is no saying yes or no, right or wrong is probably the wrong answer. And you're right, Sean. I, I will admit you're right. If the saying Jack of all trades, master or not is too strong, you're right. That's too strong. Yeah, you got. Yes. I'll give you that one. <laughs> I'll give you that one. I'm tired from moving, so that's I'm okay. not on my game. I did not I don't think it's wrong to have a very uh, a very strong opinion. You know, I, I think that but, the thing is that one of the reasons that the beautiful part of the golden age of gaming that we live in now is that somebody says this, that, or the other thing. You're like, you know what would be really cool? I like Blades in the Dark. Blades in the Dark would make a great Curse of Strahd system. And here's why. Somebody out there is very passionate about some system as to why it would be really good for the setting, and some of those, and some of the D and D adventures are very setting driven. I've even you know I've talked about this. But I, why? The question would be why. I'll interject. Like why? Why? Because oh, the setting seems to have a look, a feel. I really want to mechanically enforce that with benefits and penalties, and I don't want to do a lot of work. And this already does it for me. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah. And we come around for a circle. But what's interesting, though, is we've also talked about this, is that there are a number of people, and we know a guy named John, who played Pathfinder. He plays Pathfinder 5e, and that is it. There's no other game. Those are the only two games they play. They moved off of Pathfinder, tried 5e, and that's all they play. And I, He's a contractor where I work, so I still know John. And that's all he has played for the last 10 years, or however long he's been out. That's it. That's all he's doing. He's happy as hell. It doesn't bother Sean, I have mentioned other games. He's like, never heard of that. Another one either. Yeah, I don't know a lot about games. All I know are these ones. Because that's what Game Master brought to the table. There are gamers out there like that. Right? And there are also gamers who are like, look, I like D&D. I welcome the challenge of playing D&D differently. And again, no right or wrong answer here, as you're beating me with, which is absolutely right for you to do so, is that some people want to have the challenge. Like, if you told me you're going to run 5e for Curse of Strahd, but you're going to do this, that, and the other, you're like, oh, let's see how it works. Let's do it, man. I'll get in on that. Or if you came to me and said, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to run it with Savage Worlds. and be like, huh. Let's see how that works. Oh, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to use Call Cthulhu rules, or I'm going to use something. I'll try it. I'm pretty open for that stuff. Not everybody is. But I think the key... Dude, we're getting way off. Like, oh, totally off, dude. Yeah. I, I think when it comes to here, like if team play is a thing that is really important to you, 
right? If if team play means to you that you have benefits, penalties, all this stuff geared around the fact that your group is operating to basically get the most of the rules in the most interesting way possible, even if failure or a quote-unquote penalty or punishment is still interesting, right? Insofar as, oh, you broke a team pact that causes negative influence into the team and the clock turns and the shifts, whatever mechanics or systems you want for that. If that's important to you to have mechanical um, system-based drivers and wheels and gears to turn all that stuff for you, yeah, I could see why you would look at D&D and say, you know what, it doesn't have enough for me. It doesn't, I have to, I'd have to bolt on this other stuff to really drive this feature I want, which is what you're talking about, Lakers and Strahd, to make it do what I want it to do. I have to bolt on some stuff to make it feel the way I want it to, to make it really, to make it really sing. Is that work you want to do? And is that work your players are willing to do with you? I don't know. But we're we're kind of mishmashing, right? Well, yeah, like, this, eh, this is a weird like, topic. We'll talk dude. about team, and then all of a sudden it's like, and the system that you want to play that mishes in with the setting. It's like, wait a minute, let's bring the team thing back. Yeah. yeah. So going back it. to team, going back to team, one of the things that old school mentioned was the the what do you mean? You know, he says no class is an island during character gen. Don't players always ask who's our healer? Who, how many tanks do we have? Some classes do buff. Some classes do heal. And that's right, but it's all on the independent class, and I think that's what Todd was kind of poking away at him. About. And it's also dependent on the player. Who's the healer? I am. You ever that play with me? You ever heal pl- everybody? You ever play with a guy who goes, "I'm not healing you. Why? You're yeah. character neutral. I'm lawful. Good. Fuck you." Last time we went to the town to the church, and I wanted to donate money, and you didn't. I'm not healing you. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. This is the one thing I got to say in the team team discussion and in this conversation specifically is yes it is a collaborative game yes it makes sense to come together to overcome obstacles as a group because it's going to be better if you can can collaborate and overcome those obstacles you have a better chance of overcoming obstacles in the most optimal way y'all get together and team up true but it's an individually played game you make one character that one character is out and has its own motivations has its own skills and abilities and only through certain things does it apply in a team-type manner. So if you want to produce a team-type thing, you have to flank. You have to help, assist. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Right? It's not anything that is built as part of the mechanics to facilitate. The t- it's not like... You don't get a... Oh, your, your cleric or wizard or spellcaster doesn't get... You cast five buff spells today, you get a bonus experience points for that. Correct. That doesn't happen. You don't get a, another point of inspiration because you buffed to There's people. no incentive other than maybe if I just cooperate with these jokers, yeah. I may live a little longer and get out of this dungeon alive. Yeah. Other than that, everybody, yeah, man. Where's the treasure? Everybody have a thief that steals stuff that the party doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, no, there's no huh. uh, there's no experience point benefit to playing as a team. There's no none of that stuff. No, and that's where I. Th- so I think that that his approach is the fundamental component of D anD. d What do you mean? It's of course it's a team game. Whoa, you can't live without being a part of the team. You ever try to adventure as a solo guy? As soon as you get knocked down to zero, you're toast because nobody's going to come over and stabilize you and 
Then you get to, you know, roll your saves and then you can then squash down a freaking potion and then you're good. But now they got sidekicks. Yeah. Is it team player? Well, we got sidekicks now. Uh. And I think some of it, like, and the reason I think we bled over into, like, the Curse of Strahd and stuff is that I, because if I want to make D&D have those pieces and parts, it's similar to what you're trying to do with Curse of Strahd. I think that's probably a long way as to how we got here, is the, if I want to beat it up a little bit so that it feels gotten horror. And if I want to beat it up a little bit so that it really enforces team play, like, hey, you helped him, there's a point of inspiration. There's a there's a bowl full of extra D20s in the center of the table. Whenever someone does something really cool, you get to reach in that bowl of D20s, give it to the player across from you or whoever, and say, I'm going to give you advantage on your next die roll because that was fucking awesome. You know, I will, I will do whatever, you know, something where you're handing out and you're giving... And you're really supporting the team play, right? When the good things happen, the bad things happen, enforcing it in some way. It, it's not natively there. It's not overtly stated, and there's no overt um, rule set that says doing these things is, you know, get you a bonus or whatever. Right. Yeah. And let's let's even take it back further. Okay. The origins of D and D. Like the true, hey, why did Arneson and Gygax come up with this crazy thing called a role-playing game? It's because they were all a bunch of war war miniatures players, and they got a lot of people staring at the table, and it was always like a one-on-one thing. And so instead of like, hey, we could get four more players at the table if we just gave them one miniature to control. And that would be their role at the table, and that miniature would have certain things they could do that would help other parts of the, the game. And there became the role-playing game. So it, it it stemmed out of this weird wargaming thing. And, you know, then it was like, okay, you're still an individual. You get certain things to help, but it's still, I mean, I'm sure their intention was, hey, it's a team. You're on this side. It's like a basketball team, man. Yeah, you could be Michael Jordan and carry the team. And, you know, hey, you're going to go to that person all the time. But at the same time, you need all five players on the court. True, to, but like, you know, I, yeah, um, you know, the hockey player leads the league in goals, but also leads the league in assists. He's the he's the dude you want on your team because the team wins when you play well together. The team does really well, you make more money, so on and so forth. But I think there's a key piece that you're making an individual character, and there's nothing on your character sheet, like in Dungeon World, that says. Who do you like? Why do you like them? These other people. There's nothing in there that ties you to the other people in the group. There's nothing on the character sheet that says players, you know, player one, two, three, four, five. Why do you like them? Why do you hate them? Who's your friend? Who saved you from the dragon? None of that is there. You could add it in your bonds and flaws. Right. But there's nothing in the random charts in the player's handbook that say you are madly in love with the player to your left. The player directly across from you is wrong. And like, if you play it up or you, you lean into that or you, you cut it, you get extra. I mean, a DM could say, well, if you role play it up and ham it up or whatever, then I'll give you extra XP. But again, that's a, you know, I'm pulling that out of my butt. And yeah, that, that's a, it's a hack, right? It, right? It's a piece. It's a thing. And, and that's, again, where I went to the Curse of Strahd example is to make the feel 
to make the team feel I'm tweaking and manipulating it a bit to do that thing. I'm with you. I think that's true. Yeah. I, I mean, in short, is if you said, Sean, you sat me on the street. Hey, we're here with this stranger here. Uh, you ever heard of the game Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, I played it once. Right. So, uh, got a question for you. Uh, can you? I want to answer. Um, do you team. think D and D is a team game? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Because you gotta play together and you know, overcome obstacles, and you can't do it without somebody. And everybody pulls their powers together and blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah, of course. There it is. Quick answer. Bam. But. But it's got its shortcomings. Yeah, you rip, for the, sure. you rip the peel off, you go into the depth of the onion. It's not mechanically there. The other component is if if you take the team back um, from the PCs as a team to the players, are you all having fun? And I know some people hate this. Well, fun isn't the only measure, and I still don't fully understand that because if you're having fun, that's where you're playing. If the group is having fun playing a bunch of bastard PCs who are backstabbing each other constantly, and the only reason they're in the dungeon is because they're forced to, um, or what, blah blah blah, whatever you want. If everyone's having a good time with that, okay, yeah, they're having fun. I think if I take team play off the player characters and just look at the players. It's damn near true of every role-playing game at that level. Like, look, if you all sit down and agree that this is how we're going to play, this is the rule set we're going to use, this is the feeling we're going for, it's the session zero shit, yes. But when you have mechanics within it, the idea behind it is, yes, you can pull a Brett, and or and a lot of other people are very or more experienced than me, way more experienced than me. Oh, Sean, you can do this too. You can game master over the top of stuff. You can you can through force of will and through force of your players just make shit happen. Yes, you can totally do that. However, if you look at the game from a new player's eyes, say what's this game about? And you read through it, you specifics specifically see systems, rules, and little pieces that say, hey, when you help the player across from you who you listed as your best friend, this, that, and the other thing occurs. When you hurt someone who you listed as your enemy, this, that, and the other thing occurs, it enforces the style of play, right? Mechanically doing so. Having things that are helpful in that style of play, power, spells, and so forth, that's a mode. That's about saying, hey, I've got stuff that supports a mode of play, but it doesn't really mechanically make it quote-unquote, the right way to play it. This game isn't built that that's how you have to do it. Does that make sense? I think that's where we're going. Yeah, it makes sense, but <laughs> I don't have to like it. All right. Are we good? So if you think D&D facilitates team play... Yeah, I expect uh, Mongrel... Rory, Todd, old school, come back and say, God, you two fucking boneheads. What is wrong with you? Can't you read? You know, it honestly, and the other piece to do, if you haven't read the if you haven't read the forum piece, I strongly suggest you go there and just bust through it. I think it's a it's a good list of ideas, thoughts, and so forth. And uh, as I stated, there's no saying yes or no flat out. You know, uh, Echo Doken mentioned this, you know, I think a hard and fast yes or no to this question is the wrong answer. If you limit yourself to yes or no, then the answer is an objective yes. Yes, the game is built to be played by a team of players. Use a team of characters to collaboratively achieve their goals. 
you know, it, it, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So anyway, we're done. Let's move on. <laughs> if there's a better team team game, let us know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Team, team, yeah, absolutely. Team. All right, die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points game in geekery. We want to bring to you. I don't think we have one this week. Why nope. am I doing that? We don't didn't list any. Oh, we didn't uh, list any. Uh, oh, God. Pull, pull one out of your butt, Brett. I don't have, well, you've already brought up the uh, the Margaret Weiss thing, the Dragonlance piece. You brought that piece I, up, so. I did. That was, that's about it. I don't have much else, man. I am way behind right now. What? Yeah, I know. Like, what do you got going on, man? What do you got going on? <laughs> so for next week, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about yet, Sean. i got a couple ideas. I'm going to bounce them past you. Cyberpunk. Um, yeah, I was thinking about cyberpunk. It's kind of a concept, uh, setting. Do you theory. want a cyber? Yeah. Punk? My biggest piece, dude, is with uh, the holiday, the Christmas holiday coming up in like three days. I don't know how much time I'm going to have to read that and so forth. So I just want to make sure I get my act together there. <sighs> I'm a busy what guy. What are you going to be doing, man? I'm a busy guy. I'm important. Very busy. Very busy. <laughs> Got a lot going on. Big, big things. <laughs> big things. Big things. Huge. 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 Just busy. Yeah, uh, believe. Right, can't can't even believe it. Uh, Brett has, Brett's got an assistant standing right next to him, yeah, pointing at their watch. Yeah, they're just taking notes. Mr. Blazinski. Mr. Blazinski, it's time to go. Your next appointment. <laughs> You're three minutes overdue. <laughs> <laughs> this freaking guy. All right, let's wrap it up. All right, uh, we'll figure something out next week. If you uh, thanks everybody for joining us uh, live during their live recording, this recording of gaming and BS. Uh, filmed in front of a uh, live studio audience. If you see this on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. Damn it! Why? Because we told that's you what you're to. That's to why. Do. That's why we told you to, <laughs> and that's the only reason you need. Otherwise, you can catch an audio version on this on your favorite podcatcher of choice. Find us, listen to us, consume us, call us, and tell us how wrong we are. We dare you. We're used to it. Is right before the holidays. This will probably drop right around Christmas. If you celebrate something else during the holidays, well, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Lanza, happy Hanukkah. Festivus. There's a lot of cool Yule stuff going down, so I just, I think our biggest hope is, uh, we've said this for a while since the pandemic, everybody be safe, be healthy. I hopefully... If Game will come and other things get back together in person, I, Sean and I are both looking really forward to seeing people again, like yeah. get together the game, hang out with folks again. So stay healthy. You're, be the, smart. Only, you're, you're the only people I want to see. Absolutely. All right. All right. For Gaming MBS, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming MBS produced with help from the following BSers. Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Old School DM, Jason Hobbs, Andy Hall, Roger Brasslett, Brett Pazinski, Chris Steele, Larry Hout, Eric Frankhouse, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Stefan Dragonspawn, Mark Tasaka, Pierre Mongro, CW Mellencamp, Dan LaValley, Craig Huber, Ron Bishop, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jeff Seifert, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, Jeff Goad, Brian Rumble, David F. Balog, Harrigan, Melissa Bishinsky, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Huskarl, Mark Sohm, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, 
Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Jason Weeb, Dollar Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Jay Plata, Duke and Purple, Isaiah Aries, Christian, Phantom Black Lord, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shore, Michael O'Holland, Christopher Lang, Chad Glayman, Josh Wallace, Adam Grochan, Ed Nyes, Corey Welch, Merkel Froelich, Rich Wishan, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, and Aaron Raylia. Hey, happy holidays to you and yours, BSers. If you want to hang out with the crew, head over to gaminginbs.com forward slash discord, where the conversation's flowing and so's the RPG talk. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.